Hey guys, if you would like to get to know each one of us better, go check out Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com. Or the app. Get the app. That's better. Okay. Listed in the show notes on the support link. Sights on home. I can get distracted. Cause the fact is, this ain't where I belong. I've got more. On hey, everybody, it's Pod Me. I'm your host, Devin Birdsong. This is our interview series. It's not often that I feel like what we say on here is so life changing. Hopefully. Some people get some good out of what's done on Pod Me. I've had some interviews that were very touching and very moving. People's stories, what they had to say has really touched my life, and hopefully they have touched yours as well. I don't think that what we say here on a regular basis, like I said, is so life-changing. But today we have a little bit of a different interview. But it's something that I feel like is necessary for us to talk about, especially this time of year. Many people during the holiday season face grief in a greater measure because that's a time when families are getting together and if you've experienced any kind of a loss it seems to be that that loss is concentrated during times like this i sat down today with brother doug hash he pastors a church in the tulsa area but he's been involved in the funeral business for many years and in grief counseling for many years a mutual friend of ours a few months ago reached out to me and he said devin if you ever want to talk about the subject of grief I would advise you to talk to Brother Doug Hash. I think it's one of the most necessary and one of the most meaningful conversations that I've had on Podme to date. I really appreciate anybody who listens, and I hope you'll give this episode a chance. I know because of the subject matter in the title, that might be something that people say that I don't need to listen to that. But I think it would probably be necessary if everyone would listen to this, because no matter who we are, we've all experienced grief in one form or another. And Brother Doug gives some very practical things to help work through our grief. And then he also gives some very practical advice to those who have loved ones that are grieving and you don't know what to say and don't know what to do. So I hope you'll give this a listen and hopefully it'll change your life. And I would like to say how honored I was to be able to sit down and have this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. God bless. I've got a purpose, a higher calling. How long have you been a pastor? Been uh, pastoring now a little over 30 years. Wow. I've been there at uh, this location uh, 22 years. So you got a lot of experience dealing with people. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you also, uh, I'm just finding out, I've been in the funeral business for a great number of years. 26 years. Yeah. And along with that comes uh, dealing with people that are grieving. And that's the subject matter we're going to talk about today. I got a little bit of background in uh, grief counseling several years ago when I worked with hospice. It's always been something that's been close to my heart because I have a burden for people that are hurting. And I think anybody in the ministry should should feel that way. But the reason why I feel like this subject matter is so important, Brother Doug, is because 
so many people don't know how to deal with their own grief. We spoke a few weeks ago on the on the phone and some of the training that I had, uh, you're telling me you guys take a little bit of a different approach. I was more familiar with what people consider there being four or five stages of grief that people go through. That's kind of the training that I got. But your approach was, was a little different, and I, I like it. And I know at the beginning of uh, this episode, it would be easy for some people to say, well, I haven't just experienced a death or a loss or whatever, so I'm, the subject matter is not relevant to me. But we all have grief in some form or another. We use the, the grief recovery method as our platform for dealing with grievers. And, uh, of course, there's unfortunately, there's never a shortage of grievers. We define grief uh, as that normal and natural reaction to any significant emotional loss of any kind. There's there's over 40 different losses that a person can experience in their lifetime wow. that can cause grief. Our program that we do here is not limited just to death. We have a lot to come through for divorce, estrangement, loss of relationship, mm-hmm. even moving. Uh, some people, you know, yeah, especially uh, young people, families been in the military or whatever. Mm-hmm. They develop friends for maybe a couple of years, and then they have to move to another location. And so now they have to start life all over. I was listening to a uh, another podcast interview of a grief counselor, and she brought up the fact that in her, in their own family, they moved neighborhoods, they upgraded in their housing. And she said, our whole family, after about three months living in their dream home, she said, our whole family realized something's not quite right. And she said, when we got sat down and talked about it, she said, from me, my my husband, and all the way down to every child of ours, we were grieving the loss of our friendships in the neighborhood that they had moved from. Sure. I thought that was pretty enlightening. You know, people think they don't have problems with grief, but any kind of change like that does bring that. Any, any significant change in life can bring emotional grief, even uh, people retirement, you know, a change, a change of that, which is familiar. Oh yeah. You know, loss of income, getting people getting laid off. And yeah, there's over, like I said, over 40 different losses that a person can experience in a lifetime Right, that can cause, cause grief. While grief is normal and, and uh, natural, most of the information that's passed on from through society about dealing with grief is not normal and it's not helpful. We've been taught most of our lives uh, to deal with grief in a, in a wrong way. You know, a child, a small child, if they start crying because they're upset, someone tries to make them uh, stay quiet or just be quiet. Yeah, That's teaching them that it's not all right to show emotion if something has happened to them and they're crying. Mm-hmm. It's not all right for them to show emotion when the uh, parent says, you know, you just need to hush up or be mm-hmm. quiet. We encourage people that in order to deal with their grief, they need to talk about that emotion. They need to mm-hmm. get, let that emotion out and they need to deal with it in a in a way that will help them to to get beyond that. The more we deal with grief and hear these things that uh, aren't helpful to us, it causes us to what we call stuff our grief and just hold on to it. Hmm. It builds up in a person. Grief is cumulative. Wow. It builds up over a period of time. I've often said, uh, I think the reason we see so many incidents of road rage, could it be that it's people that's had grief building up in their lives for a period of time that they've never dealt with? Man, and it just reaches that place that they explode. 
Mm. I have to feel that there's some of that. Uh, we can go back even to 1986, Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, the post office. That's where they, the term going postal wow. originated. I did not realize that. And it was because of grief that was built up. Uh, and uh, it came out in a moment of rage. Hmm. And so I I feel like that that uh, helping people to to see their need to recover from grief is very important. Sure. What part, Brother Doug, do you feel that this plays in the church? There's a lot of grief that people deal with. You know, I'm a man of faith. I believe yes, I believe in prayer. I believe God helps us sure. through that. That's my that's my first option. Yes, sir. I go to the Lord in prayer about my need. Well, Isaiah 53 lays it out very clear that the suffering servant, which is Jesus, prophesied Isaiah 53, he hath borne our griefs. Borne our griefs, that's right. So that's right. we do point people to a Savior. You expressed earlier that it's it's needful that we let that emotion out. It's uh, very important that we put voice to what we're feeling. Uh, even those that uh, are believers, those mm-hmm. that uh, sit in our churches, they they have grief, and sometimes we don't see what they're going through. Mm-hmm. We don't understand, you know, what feelings they may be experiencing. Where I always encourage people to pray, I also like to give them some things they can do that will help them mm-hmm. uh, while they're praying and help them walk through their grief. Uh, because so for so long people have have held on to their grief because they don't feel comfortable talking about it. You know, grief is one of the the least discussed topics in our society. Wow, I find that very interesting. I do too. And it's because people don't feel comfortable talking about their grief. If you notice, when people begin to talk about being hurt or the the feelings that they're they're experiencing, it tends to make people draw back from them mm-hmm. because they don't know what to say. Yeah. They don't know how to deal with with that, and because it's an uncomfortable subject, they tend to uh, want to just overlook it. And mm-hmm. not, uh, that's the reason why I feel it's very important that I've got in, and I've got involved in the grief recovery program here is because I feel like it it gives people an opportunity to uh, work through their grief and to help them take some of those burdens yes, that sir. they've been carrying, some of that emotion that they've been holding on to. That is just, um, they've been storing up for yeah. so long. And uh, it's kind of, I use the illustration, it's kind of like, a, you know, every time we have a, a, a moment of grief or something happens in our life, whether it be a death, an estrangement, you know, some disappointment in life, it's like putting rocks in a backpack. And after a while, that backpack gets so heavy yes, sir. that you can't carry it. We like to help people take those rocks out of that backpack. Wow. That's the, the way we look at it, helping them lighten that load. And we do that by working through this grief recovery formula. Mm-hmm. It helps them to deal with the losses that they have in their lives. We commonly have people come through our program here that, uh, of course, has, has been through divorce. That affects not only the husband and wife, but it affects the children. Yes, sir. To a great, great degree. As a matter of fact, a lot of the problems that, that we f- see people have had later on in life started at an early age hmm. when mother and dad didn't stay together. Yes, sir. The children, no, nobody helped the children to deal with that grief. Hmm. And it accumulated. And now there's things in their life when they reach adulthood that they're still dealing with from their childhood. Mm-hmm. We just feel like it is so important to help them to deal with those things. And mm-hmm. we give them an opportunity in this program to go back 
and deal with those those losses that they've experienced. We uh, we look at recovery as helping people feel better. Okay, and uh, it's about reclaiming your circumstances instead of your circumstances claiming you. Uh, recovery is being able to enjoy fond memories without being stuck in those painful memories. We have some people that they uh, all they can think about is that one problem they've had in their life, and they, they can never get around it. Hmm. Had a situation some time ago where an uh, individual had came through a program very bitter and angry about the relationship that she had with, with her father. You could just sense every time she spoke of him, there was just bitterness there. Finally, one day, I just stopped her and asked her, I said, uh, do you have anything that you remember from your childhood that was a positive thing that you and your father shared together. And she stopped for a moment and she said, well, I do remember the time that he came and picked me up from school and took me uh, shopping. She said it was our prom that night. And she said he took me shopping for a prom dress. All of a sudden she just began to smile Hmm. because she had forgotten all about that. She'd been stuck on that one painful image of their relationship that had been so negative in so many aspects that she forgotten all the good parts in that relationship. Hmm. And as she began to talk about that, her whole countenance changed. Even those that were, that were sitting there listening could tell a, a tremendous difference. And from that point on in that program, she looked at both the, the positive and the negatives hmm. in that relationship. And it had been hid from her for so long because of all the grief that she yeah. was facing. And that's wow. all she could see. So we encourage people, uh, you know, recovery is, is finding new meaning for life without fear of more pain. Sometimes people don't want to talk about it because they're they're just tired of feeling the yeah. pain. Don't open up that part because I don't want to go sure. back to the pain. Exactly. Also, recovery is acknowledging that it's okay to feel sad at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even working through the grief recovery program, uh, I tell people that doesn't mean we'll never feel sad again. We right. have those moments of sadness, but we know how to deal with those. How important, brother Doug, on the on the onset of of the of the thing that causes grief is it to mourn immediately because i've dealt with families i know you have too some families their way of dealing with their grief is to suppress it you know we were always told to encourage families look you may not cry in front of everybody else but there better be a time where you let that out sure and in biblical times and even eastern cultures nowadays there's people that will take a specific time to mourn and like you said so many people will suppress that where are we at in our society with that, and maybe even in the in the church? Right, and, and I, again, it's because a lot of people don't want to talk about it, and they they suppress that. They don't want to they don't want to deal with it. To deal with grief, you have to be truthful and honest. That's the one thing we require of people when they when they come through our program is we tell them you've got to be truthful about your feelings. Mm-hmm. You can't just continue to suppress that and and overlook how you feel. Sometimes people feel angry. They need to. They need to understand. They need to express that and 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 move beyond it. Mm-hmm. And how people deal with it is 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 very important. There's what we call six common myths about grief. Okay. Number one is you know time heals all wounds. Some people say it just takes time. You'll get over it. We say that it it won't take near as much time if we work through it and if we help people work through their grief. Wow. I, I use this illustration. It's kind of uh, humorous, but. In the way some people look at grief, you know, say I, after we get on this interview and we used to go out and say you had a flat on your car, mm-hmm. if time just takes care of everything, how long would we have to sit down on the curb 
and wait for that tire to, to air back up. Man, what it's, an illustration. It's not going to happen. Right. But I can do something about that. Mm-hmm. I can put air back in that tire. Hmm. I could call someone to help me hmm. put air in that tire. Uh, so time doesn't heal all wounds. I, I do know that over time, sometimes the, the grief may get less mm-hmm. because we the further we move away from that, the less we may feel mm-hmm. emotional about it, but it's still there. It's still hidden. So time doesn't heal all wounds. Right, and it's an insult to tell someone that's grieving to get over it. Exactly. Uh, that's another thing is, you know, the, the, the things that people say uh, in dealing with grief. You know, my wife and I lost our first child, hmm. and uh, we was very young yeah, and 21 years old. And one of the first things we heard from people was, oh, you're young. You can have other children. Mm. Yeah, but you can't have that one back. We can't have that one back. We wanted that one. Wow. And so uh, the things we say to people when they're they're grieving it makes a big difference. Yeah. And and uh, helping them. Do you think grieve. part of that is what causes people to to draw up to? It is. During times of I know during times of great loss, we, it was drilled into us. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. A exactly. pat on the back will go way farther than a misspoken word. Exactly. And I know in my own life the times that I've been grieving, it seems like the things that you think would hurt you don't and the things that that you never prepare for will just cause you to crumble. As a young minister, one of the first real issues that I had of dealing with grief as far as someone in my congregation was I had a young couple that uh, they were excited about having a child, mm-hmm. found out they were they were having a child. Her dad had been diagnosed with a incurable disease and uh, they found out they were having a boy. She was going to name this child after her dad. And her dad was still living at that moment. Mm-hmm. I get a call at 5 o'clock in the morning that uh, she's went full term. They now are at the hospital. She's delivering the baby. And I get a call at 5 o'clock in the morning. I need to come to the hospital because the child is is uh, is dead. Mm. And I walked into that room with two young people that has just started their journey with the Lord. Mm. And what I say is going to make a major impact in yes, their life. Yes, sir. And that's when I realized that I don't want to say anything that's sure <laughs> that's going to hinder them. Sure. I don't want to say anything that's going to cause them to have reflections on even their relationship with God. Yes, sir. As a negative thing. So I found out that just being there to offer comfort, to let them know that that I'm I'm thinking about them, praying for them. That pat on the back that mm-hmm. you just mentioned, that that hug, just to let them know that somebody really cares. Mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling the pain that they were feeling, right? But I could let them know that I was feeling sadness for them. Sure, that helped me to realize that it's very important that we say the right things mm-hmm. or we don't say anything at all. Right, just be there to to be a comfort. To well, you. even even in the scripture, Jesus, it's the most awesome passage to me that shows how much he really does care is when he didn't shy away from Mary and Martha. He didn't go immediately to the grave, but he went and listened to what they had to say first. Sure, They were hurting, and he wept with he them. Wept. That's one thing I remind the people is that that's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Yeah. There are some people that say, well, big boys don't cry, you know, just mm-hmm. we don't need to, to show the emotion, but I find that the one that I want to pattern my life after, he wept. He wept. Yes, sir. And I think it's important that we also 
have those times mm-hmm. that we show our emotion when we feel sadness. Yes, sir. Another thing I wanted to talk about on, on the six uh, myths of, of grief is, you know, not only does time not heal all wounds, but sometimes people say they just need to grieve alone. Just, just let them alone. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, when I've, I've lost grandparents, and uh, the last thing I wanted to be was left alone to grieve by myself. Wow. I wanted to have someone there that I knew cared about what I was going through. Isolation is one of the things that is very difficult to deal with. And I think sometimes the reason people isolate is because they're afraid of being hurt. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of those wrong things yeah. being said to them. Don't hurt me anymore than right. what I already am. And they don't want to... Uh, they don't want to talk about those things that's that's really hurting them. Mm. But I find that it's good to encourage them to be a part. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more people sit alone and, you know, how things can enter your mind. Oh, yeah. Lots of things. Yes, sir. That idle time, just being alone when you're hurting is a very dangerous time. Amen. And I encourage people to uh, to reach out to those that, that are trying to isolate. And, and once again, uh, we I want to reiterate the fact that you're talking about grief in general. So any anything that's causing grief, idleness and being alone is not, it's not, is a, not, good it's not a good thing. Another one is uh, people just say, well, you just need to be strong. <laughs> be strong for the kids. Mm-hmm. Be strong for your wife. Be strong for your husband. But it's hard to be strong when you're hurting. Mm-hmm. What we need is we need to find that place that we can share our emotion. As I've said already, my first thing is I'll go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Because He He helps us mm-hmm. during those difficult times. And you know, Brother Doug, I've, I've found this to be the, the case conducting a funeral service or whatever, and I know it's easy to tie everything to that kind of grief. But when a pastor offers prayer at the most difficult points, even in the funeral process, you know, I know as a pastor, I felt like these are empty words, but the family hangs to that. I mean, they hang on to that. Sure. That's something that's important to understand, too. You may not be able to pray, but if somebody else near you knows how to, to, to pray, there's a lot of comfort in that. And we depend on that. Amen. We need that. You got just a few more of those uh, yeah. myths that I want to talk about here, but another is don't feel bad. <laughs> we hear people say, well, don't feel bad. It'll get better. Just don't feel bad. Mm. But we really do feel bad, especially children. If they're told, don't feel bad so many times, after a while, they get to feeling like, I'm not supposed to feel bad. Something's wrong with me if I do. Right. That's why I encourage people. Uh, I, I And I do some of this teaching in my own church. And uh, I, I do a lot of it. In, mm-hmm. Kind of mixed in my messages. And I yes, encourage sir. people, if you got things that's bothering you, don't hold on to that. Don't just let it go because you're afraid that, Someone's going to think that there's something wrong with you if you're yeah. showing emotion. You know, talk to someone, sit yeah. down with someone, and open up and share those things. Of course, we talk to the Lord in prayer about it, mm-hmm. but also there's times I need to go to someone that I can confide in, Amen. and just share what I'm feeling, just to know that there's someone there that helps me. Well said. Help me pray. Another one is uh, one of the myths of grief is that we'll replace the loss. Most children growing up may have lost a favorite pet. Mm-hmm. Mom or dad said, well, that's all right. You know, don't feel bad. Saturday, we'll get you another pet. Yeah. But the, what they don't realize is that relationship yeah. with that other pet can't really be replaced. And I thought about that when my granddad passed away. You know, I'm not going to go next week and get a new granddad. But I, I do need to take the time to grieve that loss mm-hmm. and, and work through that. 
you know, using that expression that we're going to, you know, we'll replace the loss doesn't always doesn't always work, and it doesn't always it's not always helpful. Uh, that brings to mind something that I may have even been guilty of. I've heard it said at least a lot of times in in a church where a church is grieving over the loss of one of the members that's passed on, who's going to step up and fill their shoes. What a possibility of cutting deep the family. Really, there's going to be somebody that's really going to take their place? There's not. There's not. There's not. That's that's the thing that we need to be careful about, uh, even inadvertently teaching people mm-hmm. that they can replace that loss because every relationship is unique. We may have another relationship to fill that void, but they're never going to replace that loss that we had. Well said. And then the last thing is uh, just keep busy. You know, some people say, well, let's yeah. just, just, just just keep busy and you keep your mind off of it. I know a lady that uh, after she lost her husband, she uh, took job after job, hmm. house cleaning job after house cleaning job. She felt like that if she could just stay busy, it would. She could outrun it. She could outrun it. She's keeping her mind off of it. But when they fall in bed at night, exhausted from everything they've done all day long. It piles on. It's still there. The grief's still there. So. These six common myths that people use about grief, we found doesn't work. That's why that John James wrote the Grief Recovery Handbook. Okay. And uh, he's the one who founded the Grief Recovery uh, Institute and the Grief Recovery Method that we use. He was asking himself the question one day, why has this loss hurt more than, than other losses that I've mm-hmm. had? And so he went on a, a mission trying to discover a little bit more about grief and why some losses just seem to be more overwhelming than mm-hmm. others. And that's how he wrote the Grief Recovery Handbook. So we encourage people that the myths and the stages of grief and all of that, you know, this Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote the book on the, the five stages of grief. A lot of people use that as a, as a tool to help grievers, but really she wrote that for those that were in the process of dying. You know, the anger, the denial, and the anger, and the bargaining, and the depression, and the acceptance are the five stages that she wrote about grief. But what we find is that um, as grievers, if we if we try to look at those stages, we're trying to figure out where we're at. Are we in denial? Are we in anger? We, uh. Are we in the bargaining stage? Yeah. Or are we in the accepting stage? But you know, uh, I get a lot of phone calls here, uh, people that's going through grief. One of the very first things that I hear them say is, I lost my mom or my dad. I lost my, my child or lost a sibling. There's there's no denial there that they that they've got a got a situation. Yeah, uh, we don't want to encourage people to be trying to figure out what stage they're in. What we really want is to let them know that grief is overwhelming. Mm. It is just it is overwhelming. So we want to give them the tools to move beyond their their loss, mm-hmm. move beyond the grief that they're experiencing, and so that's why we use this grief recovery method. Maybe I could just tell you a little bit about the method itself. I would love for you to, yes. And, and what we do is we start out first by teaching people that the things we've been taught, the myths that we've been, been mm-hmm. given about about grief is is not correct. That's right. not the proper way to deal with it. And all the, the things that people are told and, and uh, the things that are said to them uh, uh, about grief, you know, such as, my wife and I experienced, you know, you're young, you can have other children. Yeah. Sometimes people say, well, in the case of a, of a grandparent that's on up in years, we hear people say, well, you know, they lived a good life. Yeah. Uh, you had them, be thankful you had them for 70, 80 years. Mm-hmm. 
but still that doesn't help with the, the grief that we're feeling. Right. So all of those things we teach them in, in the early stages of our, our grief program, we teach them that those things that we've been taught aren't helpful. We right. want to give them something that is. So we, we uh, encourage them to sit down and write a, a, do a, a graph, a loss history graph, all the way back as far as they can remember. We take them back to their dawn of conscious memory. Uh, which may be three or four years old, yeah. and do a loss history graph, all the losses that they've experienced in their lifetime. My first loss that I remember was my great-grandmother, and I was probably about four years old. Hmm. So it's important that we look back that far to understand, you know, how, how was I taught to deal with grief mm-hmm. at that early age? All I knew is that great-grandmother that rode to church with us mm-hmm. on Sunday morning or Sunday night, we're no longer picking her up. Right. At that age, I didn't know a whole lot about grief. I just knew that great-grandmother wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I look back now, and we really wasn't taught a lot about how to deal with grief. They just weren't there. We knew that they, they had died. We mm-hmm. remember going to a funeral, but still we didn't understand a whole lot about it. So it's important for me to understand you know, what I was or wasn't taught about mm-hmm. grief. Then I began to look down at all the other losses in our lives, whether it be losing a pet, uh, you know, there's a lot of losses that we, we can experience, over 40. And we graph those out, all those losses in our life. Next, we come back and we, we ask them to look at that one loss that they want to work on because it's important that they use these tools on that one loss. A lot of times people will, will take that most recent loss. And it's usually the loss that's brought them to our grief recovery program. Right. And they'll do a relationship graph on that loss. What that relationship graph entails is uh, they'll look at all the positive and the negative points in that relationship. Recovery from, from loss is accomplished by discovering and completing all of those undelivered communications that accrue in relationships. And so we encourage people to look at that relationship, talk about the positive things, and we, we ask them to put that above the line, the negative things in that relationship, those things that we wish had been different, better, or more. Right. We encourage them to put below the line. In doing that, they they get a picture, a discovery of what that relationship was like. Mm-hmm. You know, where you've got some people that want to say, well, everything in that relationship was wonderful. Everything was above the line. We all know that not to be the sure. case. Sure. Yeah, There's exactly. Negatives. <laughs> There's negatives in every, every relationship. Yeah. Another kind of humorous thing, I, I, especially men, they don't want to talk about those negative things in a relationship when they've lost their, their wife, maybe a companion of 40 or 50, 60 mm-hmm. years. And they think everything everything's great in that relationship. And I said, you mean she never burned a toast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, there's always some things that sure. we can look at that are negative in a relationship. Uh, in order to get a, a good look at that at that relationship, you've got to look at both the positive and the negatives. Hmm. Then we ask them to take each one of those line entries on that relationship graph, and then they need to ask themselves this question. Do I have an apology I need to make to them? Wow. Do I need to forgive them for something? Or do I have just a significant emotional statement that I need to make? It's what we call recovery components. Hmm. There's times that we look at our relationship and we, we think, you know, I need to apologize about some things. Yeah. Even though they may not be here, I need to apologize for me. Yeah. Or I need to forgive them for me, even though yeah. they're not no longer in our lives. You know, they've passed. But there's some times I need to forgive them for me. Wow. So that I can move on. I can let go of those yeah. feelings. 
or is it a significant emotional statement that I need to make about them? I, I use this a lot of times. I remember when I graduated from junior college and my granddad showed up at junior college, my grand, grandparents, and uh, along with my parents, they came. And uh, I was so thankful that that they were there. Yeah. After my granddad had passed away, that's one of the things that really bothered me. I never took the time to tell him, Grandpa, I appreciated you coming to my junior college graduation. Yeah. And so as I looked at that relationship that I had with my granddad and I worked through that relationship, that's one of the significant emotional statements I had to make. I appreciated you being there. And so it's I not always on the negative side. Exactly. Exactly. That's very interesting. And I and I had to I had to say I, I apologize for not telling you you know, how much I appreciated you mm. coming to my junior college graduation. It was one of those things that I felt like I needed to do to help lighten the load, the grief that I was carrying yeah. for the loss of my granddad. Yeah. So after they have worked through the recovery components and they've applied one of those recovery components to each line entry on the relationship graph, then we ask them to take that and convert that into a letter. And they write that letter as if they were speaking to that one that they're working through that relationship over. And they say those things that they wish they could have said or Mm. had have said. At the end of the letter, we encourage them to say goodbye to the hurt and the pain. Mm. Saying goodbye and letting it go. We're working through all the issues in our relationship that we've had up to this point, those things that we remember. And we're saying goodbye to that pain and that hurt from that relationship so that we can let it go and we can move on in life. You know, as you're talking there, I, I think about all the things that in the Psalms, David poured out emotion, what other psalmists did too, but raw emotion on on the pages of the Word of God. Sure. We have great examples of this very thing happening. Exactly. I mean, David talked to his talked to God about his enemies. He talked to God about his friends. I think he put it in the proper perspective, but still it was... In essence, a conversation with somebody, some relationship that was lost or was in a difficult time. Sure. That's the reason why Psalm is one of my favorite books in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, and which I, I like them all. But I find that so many times when I'm facing difficulties in life, something that the psalmist wrote about mm-hmm. will, will minister to my heart. Yeah. And you read about David's struggles mm-hmm. and at times that he didn't understand. Right why these things were happening to him. And he learned how to express that and say those things that was was on his heart. And I think that is a major key in helping us to recover from the grief that we're facing Amen. is being able to express what we're really feeling. Sure. And uh, again, it goes back to, you know, God already knows what's in our heart, right. but he wants us to be honest yes. with ourselves yes, sir. about what we're feeling. Right. And be truthful. You know, I've had people that come through our program that are very angry. I, I encourage them. You know, you need to express that that anger in a way that's going to help you to move beyond it. Right. You know, don't continue to hold on to it and suppress it. Share it with somebody what you're feeling because putting voice to that helps them in the process of, of moving to recovery. Very well said. Very well said. After they've accepted the fact that there's incomplete relationships that they have, or incomplete uh, business, mm-hmm. in unfinished business in that relationship, then we ask them to do the recovery components uh, that I spoke about earlier. Take the action, write the letter, move beyond the loss, and that's saying goodbye to the things that are incomplete uh, in in their lives. So in essence, that's 
That's uh, forgiveness at work right there. That is it. Our program is built on forgiveness. Apologies and forgiveness. It's Christian principles. Yes, sir. It's for me. It's not for anyone else, but for me. It's so that I can be free. Uh, I've had people just recently, I had someone tell me, he said, well, I'm just not willing to forgive. I'm not to that point that I can forgive yet. And I I understand there's people that that live right there. They're just not willing to forgive. Something horrible has happened. Something that has redefined their lives. And they're not willing. But I encourage them, you need to work through these things till we can get to that place that we can forgive because forgiveness is about me. It's about letting go so that I can be free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I don't have to hold on to this, this pain and resentment. And being able to put voice to that and saying, I forgive. Even though we're, we know we're not going to hear on the other end, well, I accept your apology or I, I forgive you for what you've done. But yet we've got to put voice to it so that we can set ourselves free from that, that uh, emotional pain that people hang on to. I don't know that I've ever thought about this until, until hearing you talk about forgiveness there in this light. But the prayer that the Lord gave for every believer to pray, which we say is the Lord's prayer. It's sure. our prayer to pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us or our trespasses, right. as we forgive those who have trespassed against yes, us. Yes. I've never thought about it in being in the light of someone that may not be able to hear us say, I forgive. Right. But when Jesus talked about that, he said, you do this so that you'll be able to get granted forgiveness from sure. your Heavenly Father as an ongoing relationship with God. That's if right. we can't forgive men their trespasses... Neither can God. He will not forgive us. That's right. Wow, what a concept. This has been really helpful, Brother Doug. I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me about this today. And I, you know, most of what we do on Pod Me is, uh, is humorous, but these once a month interviews, I try to get something that, you know, people can hang on to that sure. would be very helpful. And I think the subject is probably more relevant than any subject that we've ever dealt with. Sure. This is uh, something I'm very passionate about, and that's the reason why I, I enjoy working where I, I work. And, uh, you know, it's not always easy to, to pastor a church and to, to work full time. Sure. But, but I count this as a ministry because there are a lot of hurting people. Amen. There's a lot of people going through grief every day. Mm-hmm. I get the opportunity to help them, work with them on the worst day of their life. And what do you say to the the people around the one that's grieving? To be a comfort to them, to be a support to them, uh, to say the, the right things or don't say anything at all. So let's go through some of that because that was some of the best practical knowledge I ever had is when they told me if there's a family grieving, one of the first things you can say that would, would help is just say, I'm sorry. Sure. What are some of the things that you guys advise people to say to help someone who's grieving? Because I've had people say, I would love to go visit them, but I don't know what to say. Yeah. And I tell them, you don't have to say anything. But if they want to say something, what, what would be a correct response? I think that the, the, one of the greatest responses that we can use is, would be generic for every situation. I can't imagine how you must feel at this moment. Mm-hmm. That says it all. Amen. I really can't imagine what you're feeling or what you're going through. Even in the case of siblings, been raised in the same home, same parents, same rules, same church. If they was to lose a 
mother or dad. The relationship that each one of those has is unique yeah. with that mother and dad. Those same siblings still don't know how that other one feels because they didn't have that relationship with that mother or father. Hmm, That's enlightening because you certainly see that from a parent's standpoint, every child being different. Sure. But growing up, if there's children in a family that have lost, I've seen it many times now that you say that. One child may be dealing with it in their own way and the other child, and then they have a conflict sure. over the way the other one's dealing with their grief. Yeah. They don't understand why the other one is grieving so hard when maybe they're not feeling it that way. Yeah. But their relationship was different. And then others say, well, there's, it looks like they're just moving on with life. They don't care. And, and I can't. I had a young man come in, it's been several years ago. They had called me from the funeral home. He had showed up down there needing some help. So they asked if I could visit with him for a moment. He came down, and and I could tell he was very distraught. And this young man came in, and he he said, I don't know what to do. He said, my family tells me I'm losing my mind. He said, I've lost my dad. And he said, they're going on like nothing has happened. And he said, I can't quit crying. And he said, it's tearing me up. And they're telling me that I'm, I'm losing my mind. They're telling me I need to get get over it and move on with life. He said, they're able to, but I'm not. He said, what's wrong with me? And I listened to him talk. And, you know, that's that's the one thing about grievers. They just need somebody to listen to yeah. them. They just need to be heard. And so I let him talk. And finally, I asked him, I said, well, it sounds to me like your dad and, and yourself had a, had a wonderful relationship. He said, we were best friends. He said, but I don't know what's wrong with me. He said, my family tells me I've got to get over it and I'm, I'm losing my mind. And I said, what you're feeling is normal and natural. Mm-hmm. Grief is that normal and natural reaction to any major loss that we experience in life. And you would have thought I'd have slapped him when he, because he just had this strange look on his face hmm. and he said, you mean I'm normal? I said, yes, you are. <laughs> And he said, well, just a minute, i got to go out in and, and the vehicle and tell my fiancé that I'm normal. It made his day. He was a complete different young man just because someone took the time to listen to him. Yeah. And, and, and uh, to explain to him that his relationship with his dad wasn't like his siblings. Yeah. It was different. And that he was normal and natural for feeling the loss that he felt. Well, I think it's uh, also very timely this conversation because this time of year with the holidays coming on, that's when the the loss is more profound, especially the first time you gather without that person or, you know, trying to move on, trying to go through what family members were a big part of. And I I think it's a very good timing that we had this conversation today, Brother Doug. One last thing I wanted to ask you about, our world has grieved the last couple of years because this generation was introduced to something that hasn't affected the world like this in many, many years. Have you saw a rise in what you're dealing with with people grieving through through what's going on in the world? Sure. We see a significant difference. And a lot of people dealing with the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, when you've been forced to isolate. Yeah especially those that's lost a loved one that was precious to them. Yes. And they've been forced to isolate. It's like every source of help has been cut off. Yeah. They can't be around those that they love and cherish the most. It added a significant layer to the grieving sure. process. That That is correct. And, 
you know, some weren't even able to attend the funerals. I, I know. Of those that uh, that was precious to their heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's made it difficult. It's made it difficult in the home because having to explain to children why they're having to deal with the issues that they are. Mm-hmm. I find that one of the, the major things has been, you know, having to wear the mask. Mm-hmm. You can't even read the emotions that, that your children may be feeling. Or right. Teachers don't understand what sure. they're going through because there's just been so much that's been hidden. Right. Uh, it's it's been very traumatic in a lot of a lot of yes. areas uh, for families. Children have been left alone a lot more mm-hmm. uh, because of you know they weren't able to go to schools. Right. All of that isolation has caused a lot of a lot of grief in, in the hearts of people. So hopefully, just identifying that will cause people to take a look around them, and if they recognize some of these things and some of the people that they love, hopefully this will spur some conversation sure. and get people to deal with that. As we said in the beginning, and you've reiterated several times, we cast our care on the Lord That's it. or commanded in the Word of God to do that. So the Christian has it best, but that doesn't mean we don't sorrow. One of my pet peeves has been going to a funeral <laughs> and and the minister saying, now, look, everybody's expected not to. We're not here to cry, you know, or let's let's not. This is not a time to be sad. This is a time to be happy. Well, that's sending the wrong message to me, Brother Doug. Sure. You know, not everybody in that congregation is going to feel the grief that the companion or the children or whatever do. But I, I think that's a terrible message to send to the family because they're the one that's going to go back to the house that's empty. Sure. I even uh, heard a minister make the statement one time that you need to quit grieving because grieving is something brought on by the devil. Oh, and I'm Lord. telling you, to tell a family sitting there that they're not to grieve over that loved one, it's not right. That is not right it at all. It is not right. Um, I encourage people, you need to grieve. Mm-hmm. You need to feel that emotion. Don't stuff it inside. We don't suppress the happy emotions. No. We encourage that. Sure. Grieve like God wants us to grieve, but it's still, it's a part of our our makeup as human beings. You know, the Bible says, casting every care upon him for he careth for you. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you the times that I've came to him and I'm grieved in my heart. Yeah. That's something that's went on. Maybe something in my family. Yes. Something to a a close friend. And uh, I come and I express those emotions to the Lord. Lord, my heart's broken. Mm Mm-hmm. And I find that that's the way to healing Yeah, is when I can express to the Lord how I really feel because he already knows. Yeah. But when I come and I'm honest about how mm-hmm. I feel, I find that, that that helps me on my road to recovery. And not only does that work in our prayers, but I feel like that that also works in our relationships. I encourage children, if they're going through things, be open and honest to your mother and dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, share those things that, that, don't hold on to them. Don't be afraid them. to talk to people. Right. Uh, go to your pastor. Yeah. Go to a mother or dad. Amen. Go to a grandparent. Reach out to someone that can maybe help you, comfort yes. you, or just be a friend yes, sir. in the time that you're going through. Well, it's a challenge to, to me as a minister to be a better listener and try to be sensitive to those around us. Oh, it's been a great conversation. I've, been, I've appreciated the opportunity. Yeah. And I appreciate what you do, Brother Doug. God bless you for what you're doing, and I'm glad that you're making a difference in a lot of lives. But I think we all can. You've given us some very practical things to 
to work on, and I appreciate it. I really do. Well, I appreciate you coming yeah. to allow me to share this. Yes, sir. This has been an okay studio. <laughs> and I said in the beginning that you work in the funeral home. We're not actually in the funeral home recording. We're in the family center next door, but it's it's connected with the funeral service. But I appreciate what you do. People never forget what you guys do because you're helping them in a very difficult time. Or state of their life. Yeah. Yep. Well, God bless you, and hopefully we can have another conversation one of these days. Sounds great. Thank yep. you, brother.